0: Welcome to the Swisspreneur show, a podcast about startup stories and hands-on learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. My name is Sylvan and I will be your host. It's time for a new Q&A session and today we're meeting with Christian Burger, a business angel and investor in early-stage startups himself. He was simultaneously the first officially certified implementer of the Entrepreneurial Operating System or EOS for short in Switzerland. The system is an outstanding blueprint of how to organize your company. We also use the exact same system at Swisspreneur and have adapted it for our nonprofit mission to promote entrepreneurship in Switzerland. In today's episode, Chris answers our community's questions regarding the right organizational setup for startups in Switzerland. We're meeting with him in the dynamic and modern neighborhood of Manek in Zurich. You can literally still smell the novelty of the buildings. It's a great place to talk about new organizational and operating systems for young companies. By the way, listen through to the end of the show where Chris offers some cool giveaways to get you started. If you love books and pursuing new ideas but feel like you don't have the time, I have just what you need. I highly recommend the Blinkist app. Blinkist is the only app that takes the best key takeaways from thousands of non-fiction books and condenses them down into 15 minutes so you can read or listen to them wherever you are. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Just go to www.blinkist.com forward try it free for seven days and save 25% of your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com forward slash Swisspreneur to start your free seven-day trial, and you also save 25% off. But only when you sign up today at Blinkist.com slash Swisspreneur. Chris, a very warm welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's great to have you here today. Thank you. Today, we're going to talk about the organizational setup of a startup company, and we have some user questions for you, and I will start with the first one right away. Lucas Flück asked over Instagram, do I need to partner up or can I actually do the whole thing on my own? Or ask differently, at what stage, if any, is it absolutely essential to
1: bring a partner in? From my experience, it's from the beginning essential to have a good team. So, and in the early stage, you probably don't have the money to, to pay some, someone. So I prefer to work with startups where we have several uh, founders, so several partners, mm-hmm. just to reduce the risk of, of, of any uh, problems or if someone drops out of the team, right. um, you, you have you have the rest of the team. I, I don't believe in startups with only one founder. Mm-hmm. We also covered that in a separate Q&A session. There the ideal number was suggested to be
0: between three and five co-founders. Two can also work, but they suggested to have three to
1: five. So I think I would say, yeah, you probably know the 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 term you need a hacker, a hustler and a hipster for a successful startup. From there, yes, I think three is the minimum. Too many is is bad too, but three to five seems Mm -hmm. to be a good, a very good number.
0: Perfect.
1: And so as soon as you also have more than just one
0: person, at a certain point in time, you also need to organize or manage the whole thing because you have an organization that consists more than just one person. So the question here is, how does the right organizational setup feel like and how do we actually get to the
1: right organizational setup? I think one is the, the, the structure of the team. And I think you should define it very, very early, mm-hmm. even before you really fill every position with the right people. And in general, structure first, people afterwards. So you define how your company should look like. In an earlier stage, if you're 10 or 15 people, you define the seats. Mm -hmm. Uh, I normally say you have three main functions. One is marketing and sales, one is operation, and one is finance and admin. And on top of that, you normally have a, a kind of a an integrator, I call it. It's it's the one with the drum, the glue of the team who drives the things forward, yes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's basically think, the CEO, right? It It is, yeah, it depends, yes, yeah, CEO or even COO. Okay. I'm not that fan of the C uh, titles. Mm-hmm. I call it the integrator because it, that's the person who integrates the whole team I right. prefer to. To have it to, to call it the integrator. I think that's a great
0: expression. Can we dig a bit deeper into the three different roles that you mentioned? So, first, sales and marketing, what do you actually do there? What's the main purpose of that department?
1: Sales and marketing is to attract the right customer and to make the to 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 sell at the end of the day. So there is you fill the queue with with uh, Customers with uh, with deals, um, it's the first first thing you should do, and then in the middle you have the operations. These are the guys who are delivering the service or creating the products uh, and also fixing things. Mm-hmm. And the third one, finance. That's where the money flows in. But you need to be strong in all of these three. Right. If only sales and operation is strong, you never have money on your account. And and that's the most important. At the end of the day, you need money. If only operation and finance is strong and you have a weak sales team, operation is just waiting for, for something to do or right. to, to, to deliver. And if you don't have an operations team you can have a great sales team mm-hmm. who sells everything but if you can't deliver you have another issue so Absolutely. all of these three need to be strong in an in, in an organization
0: mm-hmm. would you also split up the role of the co-founders according to these three different areas or departments
1: at the beginning i think it's it's necessary if you're three or four people it's it's normal that one person uh, owns more than one seat, but you should never have more than one person in one seat. If more than one person is responsible, nobody is responsible. That's my experience. Mm -hmm.
0: So have clear responsibilities, but at the other hand, could it be possible that, for example, the integrator, as you called him, um, is also responsible for sales
1: and marketing at the same time, for example. That's quite common. Yes, okay. that's quite common. I see that in a lot of companies that the integrator sometimes also holds the finance seat or a sales seat. Very often, founders, they, they're they successful because they can sell. Mm-hmm. If they can't sell, most companies will fail. So. In, in many companies I saw, founders still have a seat in the sales department. They don't have to necessarily be the leader of the sales department, but they are part of the sales department. Mm-hmm. There, it's very important that if they are acting as a salesperson in the sales department, they have to wear that hat right. and don't wear another one. That's, that's the, yeah. that very important, yeah.
0: So I think that's a very good overview to start with the different areas that you need to cover, and also to be fully aware that only one person should be responsible
1: for uh, one area to have a clear responsibility. Yes.
0: Yeah,
1: I would also say uh, I don't know if I mentioned it before. You should define the structure of your company so it can fit if if it gets larger. Mm-hmm. So if you're just the three just three persons you probably don't think of these areas or or these uh, departments but you should from the beginning think of that and design it with these seats and define proper roles so responsibilities for these seats Mm -hmm. even if most of the people are sitting in several seats right that makes sense and usually according
0: you know, to building a company, you also need to have something else except just the organizational structure in terms of who's doing what. You also need to have sort of a guiding light. So also one question that came in through Instagram was, what's a good vision for our company?
1: Because that's also something that basically drives you in the early days, right? Absolutely, yes. I saw companies breaking apart because of not being clear about their vision that happens so many times and i think it's th- the important part of the vision is to have everybody being on the same page with it you have to define not only define it but you also have to write it down that's even more important if you have a leadership team of 5 people and you ask each of these people about the vision of the company, you get at least five different answers. What I'm focusing with my my, uh, customers, with the leadership teams, is to uh, write it down so that everybody is absolutely on the same page and knows what the vision is. Mm -hmm. And within EOS, we do it with a special tool uh, and answer eight questions. And uh, can you maybe also give us an example about what a good vision is from your perspective? So for us, a good vision covers several things. One is you need to write down your core values. Mm-hmm. So what is the, the kind of, of behaving in your company? So the DNA of your, your company, you, you have to write it down. It's normally three to f- seven points you say, that's that's crucial. That's our kind of working together. Yeah. You need at least a, a long-term goal you want to, to reach. Mm-hmm. What would be a good long-term goal to focus on? Mm-hmm. Being
0: number one in a specific market? Absolutely. Okay.
1: One sentence, yes, maybe you say, we want to be number one for in our area for in, within Switzerland or in Europe or in the world. Yeah. Or... <laughs> You know, Nike had this, uh, this visionary goal. It was just crush Adidas. <laughs> it can be anything, but it needs to be simple and everybody needs to understand it. Yeah. Yeah. And as well, one of these eight questions we answer in these workshops is the core focus. So that's the why. Why are we running our company? You might have seen uh, Simon Sinek's video, The Why. Mm -hmm. It's exactly what we define there. What's our purpose, our passion, our cause? And the other point is, what are we doing the best in the market? So Mm -hmm. nobody else can compete with us.
0: So basically, you're USP to a certain degree.
1: Yes, but not from a communication or marketing point of view. It's more an inside view. What are we really good at? What, what are we the best in our area? And then, of course, marketing is a point, but there it, it should be a part of your vision, but only with regards to what is who, who are we talking to? And uh, what is our message? Even there, we answer these questions. And then if we have answered this, the vision is quite clear. Then I go deeper, into the traction section with the, we, with the leadership teams. And mm-hmm. we talk about near-term goals. So we define the three-year picture. So how should the, the company look like within three years with regards of revenue, with regards of maybe you have one number, you can measure the success of your company, mm-hmm. um, turnaround, and then five to 15 points which describe your company in three years then to to a one-year plan. So what do we want to achieve within one year? Same numbers, mm-hmm. but three to seven points or goals we want to, to accomplish within that year. And then we go to the quarter down. Okay. And... With this, we have a a clear plan and and can communicate to everybody in the company what we're going to do within the next quarter, within the next year, within the next three years, how we communicate it to our customers, what we do best and we love to do, what do we want to be in 10, 15 years, and what are our core values? How do we want to behave inside the company? How do we handle handle each other to reach that goal. And if you have that, and if you communicate that regularly to the whole staff, you have a a bunch of people all rowing in the same direction and having fun. It's amazing what happens if you define your vision like that. It's quite interesting because
0: we also use this entrepreneurial operating system at Swisspreneur Um, and it's just incredible how you can align people and really, as you just said, all row in the same direction and then you can really do some pretty awesome stuff. (laughs) It's quite
1: simple. These tools are all simple. They're not easy, but simple. Mm -hmm. But what happens is magic, absolutely. It's crazy, yeah.
0: Maybe people who heard about this system now for the first time, they might be a bit overwhelmed. Is there any good resource where they can, you know, look things up or do some additional research also to the eight questions that you just mentioned.
1: Yes, all these tools are downloadable for free. So on eosworldwide.com, you can register and download all the tools for free. What I recommend is to read the book Traction from Gina Wickman. Mm-hmm. It's the standard book about EOS. And most companies, they prefer to have an external implementer. So there are more than 300 uh, EOS implementers worldwide who implement EOS in companies. So that's the other way. So you can do it on your own or you can hire an implementer. I think for most startups, it's it's probably, uh, from a financial point of view, easier to implement it on their own. Small and medium enterprises, they normally hire and implement, but they are on in another position and on a,
0: that even financial. Yeah.
1: Yes, but everything is for free. Everything can be downloaded. You can read the books, so you can do it on your own. Fantastic.
0: I think now we know what a good vision is, basically. We know the organizational setup. And also another question that came in through Instagram was basically what size of the team is a lean startup and what are the advantages of this small lean startup uh, team size basically do you also have a take on, on this question is there a specific number
1: i don't think so it depends on where you are in 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 which stage you are of your your, your company as i said before if you start you're probably 3 or f- four, 3 to 5 founders and when you grow, it it strongly depends on how much money you have if you can hire people. So mm-hmm. that's the point. If you can hire people for shares or for money, it makes a difference too. Um, one company I'm, I'm working with right now, we, the, the founders, they, they did not pay any salaries at all over two or three years. Then, hired the first uh, assistant or, or marketing people, all with a, a certain amount of shares mm-hmm. with their salary, but but for market prices. I think you can't just pay uh, people with peanuts. Yeah. You, you just get monkeys. Sure. Um, but what we did there, we hired most people part-time. So, and they were working from remote, and that was a great team, but you have to choose your people wisely based on your values and their ability to perform that job.
0: That's actually a perfect transition to the to the next question that I was also asked. So uh, also in Instagram, they asked like what roles should I hire for?" and basically how do I actually find the right people and where do I find find them? I'm sure that the eOS system also has an answer to that question.
1: Yes, absolutely. With regards to people, um, it's about right people, right place. It's a term popularized by Jim Collins, uh, a U.S. Uh, researcher. Uh, a, I don't know, he's professor. I don't know. He's a scientist. It was popularized by Jim Collins, a scientist, U.S. scientist, and he did an analysis between good and great companies his book is called from good to great really something i can recommend a great book and there he one of the points he recognized is you have to have the right people first and then have them in the right seat so right people right seat you need both within eos we we try to bring that down to the ground. So we have some tools. We say right people, that's those people, they behave based on our core values. Mm -hmm. If someone does not live our core values, that poor person does not fit into the company. And right place, there we have the GWC. So gets it, wants it, capacity. So a person, needs to get get it with regards to the seat the person is is holding so if you have a finance guy then he gets probably what he has to do in the finance position but he might be the wrong one in the engineering or so yeah. so he
0: really understands his craft basically.
1: absolutely and then he has to 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 be willing to do it of course mm-hmm. and then have the capacity not only from a time uh, point of view, but also mentally. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, it's it's something with pressure, with time pressure, whatever, or um, emotionally, even emotional capacity. Yeah. So these are the two things. Right people means core values. Mm-hmm. Right seat means gets it, wants it, and has the capacity. And if you do these both, then you probably have the right person in the right seat.
0: I would like to dig a bit deeper into the value part because I think this is something very crucial and often overlooked, yep. or at least from my perspective here in, in in Switzerland or with Swiss startups. So, how do you actually determine, for example, when you try to hire someone, you have a job posting out there, there are people applying for the jobs. How do you actually determine if they have a, a value fit to your company and, and sort of fit into your core values that you defined earlier? How do you test that?
1: So. The first point is just tell them. Okay. Explain the values and not only have the sentence and tell them look these are our four core values. Mm-hmm. Explain them, give examples, positive and or negative. So yeah. we at EOS worldwide where I'm an implementer, we have one core value help first. So and we have dozens of examples where we really help first. We Try to give bring value before anything else. Mm-hmm. So we have good examples for people who did it, yep. and we have good examples who did not. Yeah, makes sense. And with this you can if you hire a person, if you're interviewing, you can explain it. or even if you do your quarterly review of the company where everybody sits in a, one, in a room, you can give examples of people who behave great based on your values, give examples and praise people for that, right? And then you hire someone, but then
0: it's you know, still difficult because you have never worked with them in the past. Then you might be surprised that they actually don't follow all your core values. How do you deal with that? Because it's
1: tricky to just tolerate that. You probably need to take some action. Yes. First you need, uh, we, we, we say a bar. So what's the minimum level? Mm-hmm. If you have five values, you can you can say, okay, a person has to follow these values most of the time. sometimes the person does not, sometimes she does and some and or the third one is most of the time she does not. So between between these three values, you have to set the bar and with five core values we we recommend normally two most of the time the person is following mm-hmm. our core values and three maximum three sometimes the person is following or some and sometimes she is not no no minus means no Most of the time, the person does not follow our our values. So you need to have the the bar, so the baseline, Mm -hmm. define that. What are you going to tolerate? And then it's important to monitor it and as well monitor incidents. And if a person regularly is acting against your core values, we have this, we call it the three-strike rule. So you sit together with the person, you explain what you expect, Mm -hmm. you explain the values, and you tell the person you did not follow this, you um, behaved against it, and you have to have at least three data points. Mm -hmm. With one, okay, it can be accidentally. With two, maybe the person still has some, some explanations, but with three data points, it's quite clear. And you clearly tell the person, okay, we're gonna sit together again in one month and talk again. Mm-hmm. If it's okay then, it's gone, it's good, yep. it's tell fine. It over. If it's, it happened again, mm-hmm. give the person a, a second chance
0: mm-hmm.
1: to, um, to improve mm-hmm. her behavior another month or even two, it depends even on the legal uh, situation in your country. But if at the third meeting it's not better, then you have to take the hard decision and probably terminate the contract. The good thing with this um, core values and the three strike rule is you probably don't need to terminate any contracts from your side because the person realizes that's probably not the place for me to be and to work. So, yes.
0: But it's a a lot about communicating the whole thing and being very direct and also sort of make it understandable for the other person that, hey, you are violating our core rules that we rate you on a regular basis on.
1: And that's actually why we have this conversation in the first place. Absolutely. And as always, you should criticize very fast. Within forty eight hours you should communicate if, if a person didn't did something wrong, you have to communicate it fast. Yep. That makes sense. And if you if it happens too often you have that have to, to start that three strike rule. And how
0: often do you actually rate your people that are part of your team and also yourself? Is that thi- a thing on a quarterly basis, for example, or is that more an ad hoc thing where you, th- where you say, hey, now something happened, uh, an incident happened, now we do the rating, or how do you take uh, take that?
1: I think in case of, of, a, of, a, of a problem or an issue, you should react very fast. Mm-hmm. Within 24 hours, you should really have that conversation. Uh, It's a one-on-one conversation always. Um, As well, praising should be very fast within 24 hours. And we always say, criticize in private, praise in public. So that's important. But you mentioned the general rating of of an employee. Mm -hmm. We recommend to go out maybe for a lunch and have a, an informal conversation mm. not to have these I, I don't like these management by objective talks at no. the end of the year where, where you list all the mistakes and all the good things i, I think that's not not something um something positive so you're normally That's not also way too late. late absolutely you're too late always but have a quarterly conversation with the people and talk about the values, mm-hmm. talk about their, their role mm-hmm. and their quarterly goals, their rocks, what they have to accomplish within that quarter. Talk about that, talk about what is working, what is not. And from both sides, not only the your employee, but also you as a manager, mm-hmm. you need to to take feedback, and it's it's good to have a good ratio between questions and answers. Many leaders and managers they they talk too much and they listen not enough. They don't listen enough. So you should ask questions and 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 listen to your employees. Around these, we we it's it's another US tool. That's the five five five. So five roles five rocks and five core values. Sometimes it's more or less, but it's easy to remember. Mm-hmm. So we go out and talk to the employee about these f- three times five things in an informal conversation. Okay. And that creates a level of trust. And at the end of the day, good teams have a good level of trust. Yeah. That's crucial to work yes, well together. Absolutely. You know, in many
0: startups, especially in the early days, there are also freelancers involved. So Helva Helena asked, is it common practice to hire a freelancer, say, for example, a web developer and then the collaboration goes well and they become CTO or you onboard them later on, if possible, uh, for the company or is it best to still keep the freelancers outsourced? So I think there are two questions like, first of all, should you actually work with freelancers in your system and what would be the role of the freelancers? And do you have any experience in terms of onboarding and bringing on freelancers to your company later on?
1: I think it strongly depends on how the contract is between you and the freelancer. But normally in startups, especially early stage startups, they work very closely with the the leadership team. Mm -hmm. And then you should integrate them completely as a normal employee. I think that's the best. If if you have a freelancer which is just not following your core values, it does not work. Right. So it's an employee as everybody else. It, these freelancers they just have another uh, another kind of of, uh, of of getting their money. Right. To, it's, it's just a different it. legal status, it's but not a legal team status. role. They're probably more flexible, right. but. They're in the team. They have to be part of the team. Yes, absolutely. Otherwise, you have like a two-class society, sort of, and that would probably also be pretty dangerous. And you don't have a service contract with them. It's a body Mm -hmm. leasing contract. You pay per hour, and therefore it's like an employee. Exactly. Yeah, and I would integrate them completely, even with uh, leadership roles. Absolutely. Contractors can have leadership roles. Yeah. Yeah. So then, in that regard, it probably doesn't really matter.
0: Um, for the future to integrate them, you should integrate them at the beginning. So if the legal status
1: changes, it doesn't really make a big difference. Absolutely. And if you follow the rule structure first, people second, yeah. then you have a seat. You need a person. Yes. If it's a contractor, it's a contractor. Right. But yeah. that person is sitting in that seat Absolutely. and performing that role. Yeah.
0: We also talked about the limited budgets of startup teams, especially in the early days. So do you have any tip or hack about how to hire, uh, you know, the best startup team possible for the most little piece of money basically? So how can you get an inexpensive, but super rockstar team for your startup company? Is that even possible?
1: It is possible. I think it's very important to have a look on the personal situation of the people you're hiring. Mm -hmm. If you have people with uh, expensive cars, expensive flats and an expensive life in general, you probably won't run into problems. That's just... Yeah, logical, I think. That's one point. Normally people without family and so, they're more flexible. or if they're a bit more senior, if they made their money and they're not really they don't really need it, it's a good thing as well, I think. What I prefer to to do is, is uh, employee stock option programs and then give the people an opportunity to get more money in the future than today with their options and their shares. And uh, with this, it's, it's a good opportunity for both sides. It, I think it's a win-win situation. Mm-hmm. But even then, you have to uh, be at a, a fair level. So even from a, from a financial point of view. What would a fair level be from your
0: perspective? Like You obviously have to pay them more money in terms of the expected return in the long run if they go into the risk review today. Uh, But at the same time, you also have to balance it. So should every employee get stock options? How do you balance that? Is
1: there any good recommendation? We normally offered every employee stock options. Yes. And we we normally did uh, several um, ratios between salary and stock options. One option is pure salary. You should offer that always and you should be ready and able to pay a fair salary. But then for every, um, let's say 10%, you reduce the the cash salary, you should increase accordingly the options program so that they can reach more than 100%. And with this, it it works quite fine, yeah. And then basically the employee can can choose what's uh, suiting them best. Yes, yes. And sometimes you're quite surprised what they choose. (laughs) Yeah. Some people very independent go for the safe yeah. side and others with family, they go for full risk. I saw everything. Yeah. It's it's nice. Yeah, it's yeah. very interesting what happens. Yes.
0: And also one question linked to that is where do you actually find these people, you know, who are willing to also go into the risk with you and accept stock uh, options as a, sort of a form of payment? You said you need, you need to go to both extremes, people with, you know, little living expenses and people who already made their money, probably in between people with families and kids, etc. That might be a bit more tricky. So where do you find these people um, that could actually go for the stock option plans? Do you have any recommendations on that?
1: Not really. We we really hired people through normal like um, headhunters. Mm-hmm. That was a good choice sometimes or over platforms. You just have to say from the beginning what you want. You have to sure. be clear on your expectations. Yeah. And if so, then you can attract the right people, right. even from that perspective, and you can repel the others. Mm-hmm. So up next,
0: uh, we also want to focus on the organization and the collaboration part. So we already talked about you know setting the vision, setting some goals for the company, but I would like to go a bit deeper there. So team meetings, that's something we all know and we have all participated in probably. Um, some people say they are really a crucial part of doing business. Others say uh, it's just a waste of time. It's a necessary evil of my, of my job. What role do the team meetings play in uh, the EOS system?
1: Meetings are important, I think. But the important part of meetings is to recognize issues and to, and to solve them.
0: I think that's a very important part. So you're not just there to update each other. You really want to discuss
1: things and then make a decision, right? Yes. For for the flow of information, you can write an email, you can send a Slack message, you can put an article on your intranet whatever. But just to transfer information, that's boring for most people. I mm-hmm. completely agree. What we teach in EOS is a a new way of doing team meetings. We call that the level 10 meeting. It comes from the fact that most teams rate their meetings at a very low level. And we want to have meetings which are rated at a level 10 maximum. So, or an 11 out of 10, (laughs) as the Americans say. And there, it's, a bit different than standard meetings. So one thing is it starts on time, it ends on time. Nothing is more frustrating than never-ending meetings. We say 90 minutes that must be enough. More than 90 minutes it gets unproductive. We start with an introduction, a segue where we exchange some personal information so that we can change from working in the business to working on the business. Mm -hmm. And then we go into a reporting section. So we check our scorecard. These are the most important figures of the company. And if one value is below or above the bar, the limit, Mm -hmm. we create an issue we don't discuss. We go through our quarterly rocks. These are the number one priorities in the quarter. we ask, is it on track or not? Mm -hmm. If it's not on track, we don't discuss, we create an issue to discuss later. Then the third one is we go through the to-dos. To-dos are things which should have been completed since the last meeting. And even there, only two kinds of answers, done or not done. And if not done, we can create an issue. With this, we take out the emotions, and we create afterwards a list where we can solve these issues based on their priority. Mm-hmm. The last thing in the reporting is if we have some headlines to share about employees or customer. You might have uh, hired a new employee after half year of searching you can bring that in there or if you want a customer or if you lost one as well so you can bring these headlines in to inform just the short information and then in the second part of the meeting which is the bigger part 60 minutes we go and solve issues Mm -hmm. and we do it prioritized we choose the three most important issues first, within several seconds, only a few seconds, we choose the three most important. We we call it IDS, it. we identify the, the root cause, we discuss and solve it, but we focus on identifying the root cause.
0: Mm-hmm. What does that exactly mean?
1: The point is most discussions are never ending. People are repeating themselves, but they don't know the root cause because they don't know why something happened, why an issue came up. Mm-hmm. And we try to identify this root cause. So why is is a number out of, of the limits? We don't have to talk how it is and, and how to discuss everything or repeat ourselves. So dig, dig, dig. Mm-hmm. Try to find the root cause of an issue. That's important. And then you can have a short discussion. And as soon as people are repeating themselves, we go to solve. We, we together, find the solution how we want to solve that issue. And based on that, we create to-dos or other issues, but we want to smoke out these issues and solve it forever. That's the goal. When one issue is is solved, we go to the next one. Again, identify the root cause, discuss, solve. If we have completed these three, Mm -hmm. we choose the next three. And with this, maybe after 60 minutes, we solved one, two, three, four, five issues. Maybe we solved 15, but we always focused on the most important issues and the rest can wait another week. At the end, we do a conclude, Look again through the to-dos. Look what we have to communicate in the in the company. Mm-hmm. Then we give a rating for the meeting, and then let's go out and do business yeah. again. Makes sense. And this is very, very. Um, it it creates a healthy atmosphere between the leadership team. It's it's very satisfying for most people, mm-hmm. and I recognize that teams are acting much more calm. It's 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 calm. Everybody is focused on the solution. Yeah. Fewer emotions. Mm-hmm. And That's very good. And you said you do that meeting every week. Yes, we recommend to do it every week. 90 minutes, the leadership team, 90 minutes every week sitting together for that level 10. But that's it. Okay. You don't need to have another four or five meetings within the leadership right. team. Of course, you can have workshops and whatever, but just the, the core leadership team and every team as well should do that level 10 meeting once a week. Yes. Okay. And
0: the leadership team, that's the integrator, marketing and sales head, operations head, and finance and
1: admin head. Yes, in, 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 in general, you're okay. right. It depends on how you define your structure. You can define it differently. You can also have a, an integrator and have five, um, let's say, country responsibles as well. Okay. That might be the leadership team as well. And what we have not discussed yet is there might be another role, the visionary. Okay. He's part of the leadership team as well. In What's his role or her role? The, the leadership, This this person is the one with the big ideas, with... Mm-hmm a lot of ideas, flying on 10,000 meters, mm-hmm. um, having the big relationship, but they normally hate it to get in trenches to, to perform what the integrator does. And this distinction between leadership inter- and integrator is in around 50% of the companies that happens. So you have a clear visionary and you should have an integrator and you have to separate these roles. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the visionary comes up with a new idea every day. And that's that's crazy. So you can't lead your company if you change your mind every day or every week. So that person is part of the leadership team as well. Mm -hmm. They are very important. Visionaries, but you need people who implement to execute. Okay,
0: and how strongly is that person, the visionary, also involved in you know operationals or day-to-day businesses? Like, do they really have also like a full-time role at the company, or is this more a role that is like president of the board, for example?
1: It's more the president of the board in in small and medium enterprises it's it's very often the founder of a company mm-hmm. who over time evolved to the visionary yeah and then the
0: COO basically takes over as absolutely. integrator absolutely, okay.
1: absolutely. Yeah. that's the one who beats the drum or the the person who beats the drum and the visionary is more about the bigger relationship yes that's mm-hmm. that's normally the case yes I think that's also a great point to, you know,
0: talk about the evolution, the growth of a company. Um, also, question is, you know, when you hire more people, how do they still fit in into this organization system? And how do you actually, you know, keep your organization system fit and also well prepared for future growth?
1: One thing is, you have to be agile from a point of view that you have to question your organization once a year. Mm-hmm. So, I do annual reviews with my my leadership teams and there we question everything from the vision over the structure, roles, whatever. Right. We really question it again and see how can we structure the company better for the next future. Mm-hmm. And there again, you have the leadership team, and then from there down, you define your teams and roles and responsibilities, and then put the right people in these right seats. Yeah. And then it's basically, you can grow to a thousand people company with that Absolutely. absolutely. We say the, the sweet spot is between 10 and 250 okay. for EOS, but... They're also company with several thousand people. Okay. That's no problem. It works.
0: So also the roles they basically remain the same. You just have more people that work in the in the different areas then. Yes.
1: yes. Okay. You then you have more levels. So mm-hmm. the hierarchy grows, but right. at the end of the day you have people, mm-hmm. the right people in the right seats, in teams, and then yeah. Exactly. That's how yeah. it's built.
0: There are also two questions um, that focus on a specific organizational department. Uh, the first one goes towards finance and admin. and Björn F. Six asks, which admin tasks should you actually outsource and which should you do yourself? I don't know if you can can support. In any way. Yes, um,
1: I personally, I'm I'm a, a visionary kind of, of of entrepreneur, and I. Don't like these day-to-day do- tasks, mm-hmm. and if I have to do it, I want to do it in my in my own uh, domain. So practically, I don't do booking myself, and I would never ever hire someone just to do to do bookkeeping. I would yeah. always give that to an accountant. But that's something you have to decide. We say we, we have this, um, delegate and elevate. That's another tool. So whatever I do, I can put it into four boxes. Things I like to do, I love to do, and I'm great at. Mm-hmm. Things I, yeah, more or less like to do, and I'm good at. Things I'm not so good, yeah. but I'm good at, and things I don't like, and I'm not good. So, and we have to focus on, on our, uh, on our unique ability. So at the end of the day, I want to do those things I'm doing great and I love to do. Mm -hmm. And we have to do it with every position. So if you can hire someone who is doing the bookkeeping and loves that and does it great, hire that person. But if you can't find someone, outsource it. I think mm-hmm. that's that's a decision from the leader of this particular area, yeah.
0: and it's also closely linked to you know the right role and the right seat basically uh, yes. that you really also find uh, what you're good at and actually have the time
1: to also yes. spend. Absolutely, because that's yes. way more rewarding than yes. doing something you don't really yes. like. Yes. There is another aspect probably for outsourcing if you. You can hire a person if you know how much workload it is, mm-hmm. but it's, if you need flexibility, it's probably easier to outsource something. That's another yeah. point, another decision, yeah.
0: And uh, the second question go, comes also from Helva Helena and she asks, do I need a, an expert in marketing or can I manage it through effort alone? And which tasks are better left to the professionals? You know, that's really focusing on the early days and also goes very specific into the sales and
1: marketing department, I can imagine. Yes, I would hire a professional, absolutely. Okay. Yes. That's a point where a lot of startups don't pay enough attention to sales and marketing. They develop a great product, but they they forget to market it. Especially in Switzerland. Especially in Switzerland. We want to have 100% perfect products. But we don't understand that at the end of the day, we, we can't get, make money if we don't sell it. And I would really recommend not to have five software engineers founding a company and to think that, yeah, it's gonna sell itself. It does not work. Right. Yes, have a founder with strong sales and marketing uh, capabilities in your team. That's very important. At the end, again, it's the mix that Absolutely. makes a uh, team perfect. Absolutely. You probably don't need a finance guy. At least not in the beginning. Not in the beginning. You can easily outsource that. You can find an accountant or even find a student who does the the, the bookkeeping that works. But sales and marketing, that's very important. Normally, operations is quite clear. So engineering and development. And so that's what we love to do. Yes. I'm an engineer too. So, But sales and marketing, that's so important. It does not work
0: without. Absolutely. Chris, that's it with the user questions. Is there anything else that you would like to add about the EOS system or about the organizational setup that we have not talked about yet?
1: I think that's that's more or less, these are the key points of, of EOS. But as I said earlier, it's a framework. It's not only a little tool, it's it's a toolbox. And for those who want to to read more and to maybe have a look into the system, I'm giving away five books of traction. So send a message, or I don't know how you, Silvan, how you handle that. Um, And we're going to send out the first five Um, people who send us a message will get a book. And you can also apply for a workshop, for a whole integration workshop. I'm willing to perform the first three integration workshops for a startup for free, so you can apply for it. You can convince me that you have the right startup. I can give you some boundaries and some guidelines you should have a business model, model a working business model yet. So EOS is best for companies with a working business model. So you have to be in the right market with the right product. You should be close to at least 10 employees altogether. Mm-hmm. And if you meet these requirements, apply if you think that your startup is the best candidate to implement EOS that you are on in the stage of getting traction with your business model, scaling up, then contact us and we will make a selection and come back to you and make an appointment to start with implementing EOS. That's a very generous offer, Chris. Thank you so much. So I suggest to everybody who's
0: interested in, in, in getting that uh, write an email to info at Swisspreneur.com and then you either get one of the books, if you want to have a book, write that you want to get a book sent by Chris. And if you apply for the workshop, write uh, why Chris should actually take the time and support you to then implement the EOS system to
1: boost your next level growth. Just to explain how these workshops uh, will take place, we, we're we gonna have three workshops. One is the focus day. There we focus on the, on the foundational tools and then we're gonna have two vision building days. All these days are within 30 days. So first workshop, after 30 days, the second one, and then after 60 days, the third one. one. And from then on, you can run EOS on your own, or then decide if you want to work uh, any further with me. It's just your decision. Awesome. Chris, thank you so much for the insights. I think
0: uh, we now know what EOS is and uh, can really hopefully also uh, motivate more people to implement that at their businesses. I would like to introduce you to SPB Startup. If you think that your company is a good fit for the Swiss Railways, get in touch with them or learn more about their startup programs at sbbstartup.com. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the content, we would be thrilled to receive your rating on Apple Podcasts. That way, you not only support Swisspreneur, but also help other entrepreneurs discovering the show and finding more valuable information on how to run their businesses. Next week, we will already be back with an all new episode of the Swisspreneur show. So we hope to see you again then for a new episode.